Do you know that the Bible calls us sheep? Followers of Jesus in the Bible are referred to as his sheep. In Psalm uh, 100, where it says that we are the sheep of his pasture and we are the people of his hand. Now, that might sound to you like a really, really sweet thing. You know, sheep are kind of cute and cuddly. and But in reality, God calling us a sheep isn't exactly a compliment because sheep are kind of stupid animals. And they're weak and they're very, very needy creatures. In fact, have you ever heard of a football team that has a mascot as a sheep. Remember our football team? We used to have a football team here. Imagine the San Diego sheep. You know, it just wouldn't go, go over that well. They weren't the sheep, right? They were the San Diego traders. Um, <laughs> actually, the San Diego chargers, right? Who moved to Los Angeles. But Football teams that have, you know, animals as their mascot. You have like the Chicago Bears. You have the LA Rams. You, you have the Detroit Lions. You have the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, the Atlanta Falcons, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are, are all animals that are strong and, and majestic. They're the opposite of sheep, right? Or think about your home protection. Have you ever heard of a guard sheep? You know, you ever seen a sign "Beware of Lamb"? You know, <laughs> no. You don't see that because sheep are docile and timid creatures. Not only are they timid, they require care. They get lost easily. And when they get lost, they, they don't know how to find their way back. They're not like a dog or they're not like a, a pigeon. When they get lost, they're lost. And so sheep need a shepherd. And that's what Peter's talking about here in chapter 5. He's talking about he being a pastor, he being a shepherd, is talking to fellow shepherds. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with me? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a shepherd. But I want you to notice in verse 3, that word entrusted. You see, the fact of the matter is this. All of us in this room have had things entrusted to us by the Lord. You've had people who have been entrusted into your care by the Lord. If you are a parent, you have been entrusted with kids that God is wanting you to shepherd, that God is wanting you to lead, that God is wanting you to pour into. If you teach a children's ministry class, that class has been entrusted into your care by the Lord. If you are a home group leader or a Wednesday night group leader, those people in your group have been entrusted into your care by the Lord. If you have friends, and hopefully all of you have friends, those friendships have been entrusted into your life by the Lord for you to pour into those people. So yes, this this passage is written to pastors and elders, but it has great application to all of us who are in this room and everybody that is watching online today. And so I want you to keep that in mind today as we work our way through it. But before we unpack these four verses, I want to share something with you today that I've really been, been aiming, wanting to share with you for quite some time. It's something I've been thinking about for a while now. You know, 2020 
was a really hard year for all of us, right? It was a difficult, it was a crazy time, but it was an extra tough year for leaders and for pastors in particular. Tom Rainer, the former president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Research, wrote this on August 31st of 2020. He says, please hear me clearly. The vast majority of pastors with whom our team communicates are saying that they are considering quitting their churches. It's a trend that I have not seen in my lifetime. Some are just weeks away from making this announcement. According to the research firm, the Barna Group, they found that 29% of Protestant pastors said they had given real serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry within the last year. Carrie Parker, the executive director of the Wisconsin Council of Churches, that numbers about 2,000 churches in their organization, said this. Last summer, the council surveyed pastors in their council and found that about a quarter or 500 said that they were considering retiring or leaving the pastorate due to the stresses of ministry during 2020. So here's the question. Why was 2020 extra hard for pastors well being a pastor i can tell you this it was sort of a lose-lose situation you know we found ourselves in this huge storm what was the word that everybody was talking about you know last year it was unprecedented we found ourselves in this unprecedented time and no matter what decision that you made concerning whatever was going on there were people that didn't like it and people that were critical of it I can honestly say this, that 2020 was the hardest year that I have ever had in being a pastor for the past over 30 years. It was the toughest year, especially the first five months. And the fact that my dad died three weeks prior to the whole COVID thing, you know, taking place, that made it even extra hard. In fact, we felt like we didn't really even have time to grieve because we were just thrown into this storm and trying to figure out what are we supposed to do. But understand, I'm not sharing this to garner sympathy. That's not my point. I don't, I don't want you to be like, oh, poor Pastor Rob. That's not the point. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because I've wanted for a really long time to say thank you. For this reason, you guys, so many of you stood with us during this time. And so many of you just prayerfully supported us during that whole time, and I know on behalf of myself and our whole team here, we are so grateful for all of you as a body, and even some of you who didn't necessarily agree with some of the decisions that we were making you know, at the time, you still stood with us, and you still stood by us, and we felt that. We felt your support, and it was just amazing. And I can honestly say, and I've been, you know, in a lot of pastors meetings over the last several months and, you know, hearing stories and some of them horror stories and hearing, you know, guys that were like, man, yeah, I was ready to just tap out. And I can honestly say all during the past year, I never, ever felt that way. And it's because of you guys. In fact, I have always loved being the lead pastor here at Calvary Vista, but probably not, what's the right way to say this? Probably not more than in 2020. Even though it was so hard, 
I was so blessed because of just your love, your support, your prayers. And I know on behalf of our whole leadership team, we just really, really felt that from you. And so I've been wanting to tell you that for a really, really long time. Thank you, church. Thank you so much. It's a blessing to... All right. So let's jump into our text here. Peter uses three words in our text to describe the role of a pastor. The first word is in verse 1. He uses the term elder. He says, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder. So he's writing to elders as an elder himself. And this word elder in the Greek is the word presbyterus. And it refers to somebody who is mature. Oftentimes it's somebody older, but it doesn't have to be. It can refer to somebody who is just mature in the faith and mature in the word of God. And so you could say that this term elder describes the man, that he's somebody who is mature in the Lord and mature in the word of God. He also uses the word overseer there in verse 2. He speaks of serving as overseers. Now, this is a different word. It's the word episkopos in the Greek. We get our word episcopal from it, and we also get that, that term bishop. The Bible says if anybody desires the office of a bishop, and the same word, elder, pastor, it's this word episkopos, that he desires a good thing. And this word that means overseer, episkopos, we could say then describes the ministry ministry, to be an overseer of the flock, to watch over the flock of God. Our elders here, our leadership team here at our church, they are seeking to watch over, to guard, and to protect, and to just really have a a, a finger on the pulse of what God is doing here at Calvary Vista. So we have the word elder that describes the man, the word episkopos that describes the ministry to oversee, and then we have the word shepherd, and the word shepherd, it's poimeno in the Greek, and it means to feed. We get our English word pastor from this word, and we could say that the word shepherd describes the method, the method of ministry. In John chapter 21, Jesus, after the resurrection, appears on the beach, And there his disciples were fishing. And as they come in from fishing, Jesus commissions Peter. He's going to give Peter, after he had denied him, he's going to give him a brand new commission. And this is what he says to him. Peter, I want you to feed my sheep and tend my lambs. And that is the method of ministry of the pastor. It's to feed and to tend. So in these three words, we really see the makeup of the shepherd, that he is, the elder speaks of the man, somebody mature in the Lord. The word uh, overseer speaks of the the ministry that he's to oversee, to guard and protect. And then the word shepherd speaks of the method to feed and to tend. As we go through this passage, we're going to see that Peter gives us five insights about shepherds. Notice uh, number one. If you're taking notes, a shepherd is also a sheep. Peter calls himself a fellow elder, a fellow shepherd, but in verse 4, he refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. And the inclination in that is this. Peter is identifying the fact that although he is a shepherd, he is also a sheep, that Jesus is actually the chief shepherd and all of us are under him. And there's several reasons why this is really, really important for us to understand. And it's this. Before you can lead others, all of you have had God entrust things into your care. 
and entrust people into your care. But before you can lead others, you have to first be being led by Jesus. Don't forget that. Before you can give to others, you have to first be receiving from Jesus. That what you are giving needs to really come from the overflow or the outflow of what you personally are receiving from Jesus himself. It's been rightfully said that as a shepherd goes, so go the sheep. Or as a shepherd grows, so grows the sheep. If the shepherd is growing, the sheep are going to be growing as well. But if the shepherd is stagnating, then the sheep are going to be stagnating as well. So the first thing we need to note here is that the shepherd is also a sheep. Number two, we notice the method of ministry of the shepherd. We've already touched on it, but in verse two, Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And that word shepherd, as we mentioned, it means to feed and to tend. We are to feed those who are entrusted to us. And what we are feeding them with is not our opinions. It's not our insights. It's not our practical wisdom. But what we are to be feeding them with is the word of God. You know, people who are looking for practical tips and practical insights and wanting to be, you know, just coached and need a life coach, they're going to turn to Tony Robbins or some other self-help guru. But those who want to grow in their relationship with God need to be fed the word of God. And so one of the primary callings of a shepherd is to feed the sheep the word of God. And this is something that we here at Calvary Vista take very, very seriously. That we see the utmost importance of going through the word of God together. And that's why 90% of the time we are studying through books of the Bible here, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. On Wednesday nights, we're going right through the Bible. We're in the New Testament. We're in the book of Galatians. And that's just a part of our DNA because we believe that the greatest way to grow in our relationship with God is to study his word in context. And so that's a focal point. And it's something that we take very, very seriously here. You know, Paul told young Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of God. In the King James Version, it says, study to show yourself approved so that you can rightly divide God's word. And so that's something that all of us, if we're going to be really pouring into God, the people that God has entrusted into our care, we need to be people of God's word so that we can be giving them God's word. So that we can be taking what God is pouring into us, we can be pouring that out. We need to be those who study hard in the word of God. It was a story about a Native American, kind of an older man who went to a church one Sunday to hear a preacher preach. And it happened to be a Sunday, and I'll I'll be honest, I'll be totally true, this never happens here, but this particular Sunday, this pastor didn't really take the time to prepare for his message. So to make up for his lack of preparation, he, you know, tried to be very exuberant, you know, in the pulpit and he's pounding, you know, on the pulpit and he's running back and forth and, and it kind of the service, the teaching kind of resembled more of a pep rally than a Bible study. 
And people, a lot of people were really entertained by it. They were like, man, he really preached up a storm today. But they asked this old Native American man what he thought of the sermon. This was his response. He said, high wind, big thunder, but no rain. (laughs) High wind, big thunder, but where's the rain? Where's the nourishment? Boy, he preached up a storm, but where is the rain? This is one of the reasons why God, through the prophet Ezekiel, spoke this, gave this indictment against the shepherds of Israel, the spiritual leaders. He said, I have this against you. You have fed yourselves and you haven't fed the flock of God. Guys, this is so important to me. It's so important to us here. We take very, very seriously the calling to teach you the word of God. You know, we have some great young communicators here, and I love just sharing ministry with these guys, but I'm challenging them to not just be great communicators, but to be great expositors, because that's what the church needs today. We should be spiritual chefs cooking up a great meal for the people of God, for the people that God has entrusted. So all of us, no matter what God has and who God has entrusted into you, what you need to give them, the greatest thing that you can give them is the word of God and through the word of God, pointing them to Jesus. The second thing that the shepherd is to do as part of the method of his ministry is not just to feed the flock, but to tend. That word tend, again, it means to care for. And Paul, in his ministry to the Thessalonians, he described the way that he cared for them in this way. He said that he was like a mother nursing her child. And is there not a more tender and gentle and beautiful picture of caring for someone than that? A mother nursing her baby, nursing her child. And that's the picture of tending and caring. And so we are to tend to the needs and the well-being of those that the Lord has entrusted into our care with that grace and patience and tenderness of a mom nursing her baby. So we see here the second thing is the method of the shepherd, that method of ministry to feed and to tend. The third thing we want to note is the shepherd's motive. Look at verse 2 again. He says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. Here's the motive. Not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. A shepherd of any kind, listen, is to be a willing servant. I tell our team here all the time that it is a great privilege that God has called us to feed and tend and care for and shepherd this church family at Calvary Vista. It is a privilege that God has given to us. It is a privilege that God has given to you, that he's entrusted lives into your care that that you are to, to shepherd and to take care of. It's a privilege. It's a calling from which you willingly respond to that. You should never, ever feel forced. That's what he means by not compulsion, not forced, but willingly. You should never, ever, listen to me, you should never, ever, in getting involved in ministry, respond, simply respond to a need. So I oftentimes, when I ask people here to get involved in something, I'll I'll say, hey, I want you to pray. 
for about the next couple of weeks, I want you to pray and ask God, is this something that he wants you to be involved with? Because if you're just responding to a need, you're not going to last very long. When it gets tough, you're going to tap out. If you're just responding to a need, it's going to get difficult. But if you know, hey, I'm called to this, you're in. And you know, hey, God has called me this, no matter how difficult it gets, I know that this is my calling. This is the point that Peter is making. It can't be a job, in other words. He says, not for dishonest gain. You know, in all of our, over the years of, of God putting together our team, our ministry team here at Calvary Vista, we have rarely ever hired from outside. We've never ever, and I, I'm not saying this to knock any churches that do this, but we've never gone on ministry.com to you know, look or to, to uh, fill job openings. Because we don't want anybody that's here to simply be here as a job. So most of the time, people have been raised up from within. Or if we you know, have brought somebody in from the outside, they were somebody who was already connected to our body and had done ministry with our body and felt this sense of calling that, hey, I think God's calling me. I feel drawn to be a part of this church family. So here's my question. What has God entrusted into your care? Know this. That's your privilege. It's a privilege and a calling. As a parent, God has entrusted a life into your care. As a Sunday school teacher, God has entrusted a class into your care. It's a privilege. It's an honor. If you are a small group leader, God has entrusted that group of people into your care. It's a privilege and an honor to be used in that type of way to pour into the lives of other people. The fourth thing we see here in our text today is the shepherd's manner. Notice nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but as being examples to the flock. Listen to me. It's very important. The flock does not exist for you. You need to note this. You need to know this. Those that God has entrusted, they don't exist for you. You should not get your sense of purpose and identity from what you do for God. You shouldn't get your sense of purpose or identity in what God has entrusted. You need to get your sense of purpose and identity from your relationship with Jesus alone. From who you are in Christ. Because listen, things that are entrusted into your care can be taken out of your hands. And if your whole sense of identity is wrapped up in what you're doing instead of in who you are, what you're doing for Jesus instead of in what you, who you are in Jesus, when that gets taken away, you're going to be lost. So your whole sense of purpose and identity needs to be in your relationship with Christ. But here's what often happens for those who find their sense of identity in what they're doing for Jesus they tend to be oftentimes those who are seeking to lord over others. Because, hey, this is my thing. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And so they lord it over others because their identity is wrapped up in it. That's why I often say, hey, the way that you hold what God's entrusted to you, hold it in an open hand. Here's why. If you hold it in an open hand, God can take it and move it. He can change it. He can take it out. But oftentimes we hold what God has entrusted into our hand like this. And the only way that he can do what he wants to do is he's got to pry our grimy little, grimy little fingers off of it. 
Because our identity is wrapped up in it. And those who tend to do that, they, they have a, a tendency to overlord. And those who overlord, they tell people what to do. Shepherds lead the flock. They don't drive the flock. In fact, in the Middle East, you never ever see sheep being driven by a shepherd. If you ever see sheep being driven, you know how cattle are driven, if you ever see sheep being driven, the one who's driving them is the butcher, and he's driving them to the slaughterhouse. Sheep are not to be driven, they are to be led. And this is really a good word for all of us who are dads and husbands here, that you are not to be an overlord, not to be a dictator in your home, but you are to be an example a loving, willing example of Jesus, that servant leader in your home. You know, the sad mentality today in a lot of Christian homes is this, don't do as I do, but do as I say. That doesn't cut it in the church. It doesn't cut it in the home. We're called to be like Jesus. He's the best picture of leadership. He's that servant leader who washed his disciples' feet. And that's what pastors are called to. That's what husbands are called to. And that's what mothers and fathers are called to be as well. And so the fourth thing we see here is the shepherd's manner. The fifth and final thing is we see is the shepherd's reward. Look at verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. This is a beautiful title of Jesus, the chief shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And Peter heard that sermon, but he refers to Jesus here as the chief shepherd shepherd he's like saying man he's the best he's the greatest shepherd that there has ever been he's the chief of the shepherds and i remind you of this remember peter's writing to people here in the first century that were enduring great persecution and so much of what he's been saying in this book is to encourage them in the midst of that difficulty to hold on to hang in there And here he's giving one more encouragement that he's saying, look, guys, hang in there because when Jesus comes, you're going to be rewarded. He's saying, hang in there because, hey, the best is yet to come. Look towards the future. You know, Paul the Apostle said that all of us are stewards of something. In other words, God has entrusted something or someone or someones into all of our care in our hands and paul said this this is what's required he said of a steward is that a steward would be found faithful and jesus is the one who determines what faithfulness looks like and listen in the end you will not stand before any group of people You're not going to stand before your peers. You're going to stand before one, Jesus, the chief shepherd. And he's going to reward you on one thing. Were you faithful with what he entrusted into your care? And Peter says that he's going to give you, if you're faithful with what he entrusted in your care, he's going to give you a crown of glory that doesn't fade away. Now, this would have extra special meaning to those hearing Peter, listening, reading this letter. 
because they were very familiar with the Olympic Games that took place in the first century. And when a runner would run a race, and he'd win that race, his reward was a crown. It was a crown of leaves and flowers that they would put upon their heads. A little laurel wreath. So picture this. You're spending all this time training, all this time you know, putting into your sport, and you come to the race and you win it, and what you win is a salad on your head. That's what you get, right? And the sad thing is that salad isn't going to last but a couple of days, and it withers and it goes away. But Peter says this, if you are faithful to run this race well, if you are faithful to, with what God has entrusted into your care, God is going to give you a crown that doesn't fade away, that lasts forever. How awesome is that? How amazing is that? That's what we have to look forward to. But you know, people labor all the time for different kinds of crowns. Some will labor for a crown of fame and popularity. It fades. Others will labor for a crown of personal empire building. Others will labor for a crown of people's applause. But people can be fickle. You can't please everybody. There's always going to be critics. In fact, I read this story about an old man who was walking from village to village with a young boy and a donkey and a flock of sheep trailing behind. He came to the first village and he was walking next to the donkey and the people in that village called him a fool because he was walking when he could have been riding on the donkey. So he climbed up on the donkey and rode to the next village. In the second village, the people of that village said that he was cruel because he was riding on the donkey while he was letting the young child walk alongside of him. So to please those people, he got off the donkey, put the young boy on the donkey, and headed to the next village. When he came to the next village, the people in that village said that the young boy was lazy and that the old man was helping him by lazy, by letting him you know, ride on the donkey when, when the old man was walking. And literally, they should have both been riding on the donkey. So the, the, the old man got on the donkey with the boy and they went to the next village. When they came to the next village, the people in that village cried, cruelty to donkeys. Because his donkey was supporting the weight of two human beings. And they said, that's horrible. Well, the last time they saw the old man, he was walking down the road carrying the donkey. <laughs> you get my point, right? <laughs> you can't please people. They're always going to have a different opinion. And listen, any kind of work, including ministry especially, should be done to please the chief shepherd alone not people we serve no matter what it is you're doing think about what has god entrusted into your hands right now we serve for an audience of one jesus that's it we serve for his approval paul the apostle said this in ephesians 6 that we serve not with eye service nor as men pleasers but as willing servants of jesus doing the will of god from the heart do that you do that, my friends. And one day you will hear Jesus, the chief shepherd, say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's what we all want to hear. The chief shepherd say that to us. As we close today, I want to mention one other thing the Bible says to us about sheep and us being sheep. And Isaiah 
Isaiah the prophet said this, All we like sheep have gone astray, and all of us have chosen his own way. And the Bible basically says that all of us, this is prior to our making a decision to respond to the gospel and follow Jesus, but prior to that, we had decided to reject God as our shepherd, and we chose to go our own way. We chose to do our own thing. But Jesus is the good shepherd, he says in John chapter 10, who goes after that wayward sheep. He runs after them. And it's such a beautiful thing about the Lord. And if you're here today and maybe you're not walking with the Lord, maybe you've never entered into a relationship with God, or you're watching online today and you know that you are far from God, I want you to notice you're here today or you're watching today not by accident. It's not random. You're here because Jesus has been pursuing you. And he loves you. And he's coming after you right now. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, not only is he the sheep that pers- the shepherd that pursues after the lost sheep, but he also is the one who laid down his life for the sheep. You see, when God saw you and I, when he saw humanity be in that place where we had rejected him and we turned to our own way and we're doing our own thing and we're thinking that, hey, we know what's best. And we were living in our sin and our rebellion against God and that sin had separated us from God. God did something about it and he sent his son Jesus to leave heaven and come to this earth that he might come for the sole purpose of going to a cross And on the cross, he would die there to pay the price for our sins, that he would take the punishment that we deserved upon himself. And three days later, he would rise again from the dead to illustrate his his victory and his power over death and over Satan so that anyone who would put their faith and trust in him, that he would make a way for them to be able to become sons and daughters of God. And he would say, I'm going to be your shepherd. I love you and I'm going to lead you. If you're here today or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your shepherd, I want to encourage you in this. He's calling out to you today. He's saying, man, you're, you're wandering. That's what sheep do. They're lost and they wander aimlessly. They need a shepherd. And Jesus is saying, look, I want to be your shepherd. I love you. So that you can say like David did in Psalm 23 when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A lot of people know Jesus as the shepherd, but Jesus wants to be your shepherd. He wants to lead your life. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, I am completely satisfied. My life has purpose because I know who my shepherd is and I'm following after him. And that's the invitation that Jesus gives to all of us today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you sent your son Jesus to come and die on the cross to pay the price for our sins, that you, Jesus, are the great shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, and you're calling us as those who know you, to be those kind of shepherds as well, with those you've entrusted into our care, that we would lay down our lives, that we would see the privilege of being those servant leaders. And God, we ask that you would just mold our hearts to follow in your footsteps in that way. 
But Lord, I also pray today for anybody here, anybody watching online that doesn't know you as their shepherd, that can't say like David did, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm, I'm satisfied. My life has purpose and meaning in, in, in following my shepherd. And Lord, if anybody here is in that place, I pray right now, it's just you're stirring in their heart that they would respond to your invitation to become their shepherd. Well, they're not heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to offer today, if you're here in this room, you're watching online, and you realize, you know what? I need a shepherd. I need forgiveness. I need to be made right with God. That invitation is put out to you today and you simply embrace it by faith. That you say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Come into my life and make it your own. Just tell him that right now. Just just confess that to Jesus. And he's going to meet you right now in this moment. Tell him today, Lord, from, from this day forth, I want to follow after you. And Lord, I pray that that would be the testimony of every single one of us in this room. Lord, I thank you so much for this church family. I thank you, Lord, that for the privilege that you've given me to be a shepherd in their lives. But Lord, we know that you're the chief shepherd. And God, we just want to, as we continue into this year, we just want to follow you and have you lead us, God. Thank you that you supply our needs. Thank you, Lord, for how much you love us. Lord, I pray blessing today upon this church family. In Jesus' name, amen.